Amen. Thank you, Randy. We are continuing in our study of what is a healthy church member. And this morning we're coming to uh, the part where we look at a healthy church member is a prayer warrior. A healthy church member is one who dedicates themselves to prayer, praying for each other and praying for the lost and praying that God would be glorified in the world. And so this morning I want to walk you through just a little bit about what that looks like from this section of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus shares with us what prayer should look like and what prayer shouldn't look like because we need to know both sides of that. Now, this is being written in Matthew's gospel. Matthew wrote his gospel specifically to a Jewish audience to show them that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the one promised from the Old Testament scriptures that he was the one that they had been waiting for. And in this section of Matthew's gospel, we arrive at the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus' major time of teaching where he sits down and he shares with his disciples what it means to walk in holiness and to walk in righteousness for God. And God knows that we're going to need help on how to pray and how to pray effectively and how to pray according to how he would want us to pray. Because we as people and we as Christians can many times start to drift back into selfish praying or praying in ways that don't glorify God. Not every prayer glorifies God because sometimes we pray in ways that God doesn't want us to pray or we pray with heart motivations that aren't what God would have for us. And so I want to try to break it down as simply as I can by looking at two major things about prayer and then we'll go quickly through the Lord's prayer uh, itself and look at what God has for us there. But I want to point out to you this morning that from Matthew chapter 6, we actually see starting in verse 5 that godly prayer is primarily a heart posture. That godly prayer is primarily a heart posture. It doesn't mean that, that your physical posture doesn't matter, but it simply means that you can have the right physical posture, be down on your knees, but not have the right posture of heart before God. And we see that in Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus is teaching his people how to pray. He says this in verse 5, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Did you all know that there are people like this that are hypocrites? They actually exist. And they existed in the first century too. There were people who were hypocrites. And what marks their, their being hypocrites? Well, he says, for, giving you the explanation as to why they're hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. There are people who so love the praise of men that when they pray to God, they actually pray selfishly for their own glory. Okay. Now, this doesn't mean you can't use nice words when you're praying or that you shouldn't, you know, if you write your prayers down, that's wrong, or that if you pray in a way that inspires people, that that's wrong. But what this means is the problem in this scenario with the hypocrites is not how the people receive it, but the motivation for why they pray the way they do. I've known some folks that use really lofty language, but they love Jesus and they're glorifying him. But sometimes you have people who, when it's their turn to pray, they turn King James. 
thou art, you start hearing thuses and, and the loftiest language we can come up with that we want to lay out before people, and we can start to dress it up, and the prayer stops becoming about devotion to God and more about saying the right words that people will love to hear. But that's not what God intended in prayer. Prayer is primarily not the outward act. Prayer primarily is the heart posture before God. And we need to be careful as Christians that we don't fall back into thinking that we have to impress other people by the way we pray. You know, God is just as glorified by the sweet, eloquent prayer of somebody who's very mature. And God is equally as pleased by the sweet prayer of a child who can only form, God, I love you. God did not give us prayer as a way to toot our own horns before men, but rather to cast ourselves before God. Look at verse 6. But when you pray, so here's the contrast. Here's the negative. Don't be like the hypocrites. By the way, they would love to stand on the street corners, right? Hey, everybody, I'm about to pray. Everybody's going to want to hear this, so gather around. Or in the synagogue, it's time to pray. I got it. Oh, Lord, great, almighty, no. They would love to be seen. That's what, see, that's what Jesus is referring to here. Those who pray for the praise of men, not in glory to God. Verse 6, so he gives the contrast. But when you pray, so here's how you are to do it. When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, I don't think what Jesus means is don't pray in public. I don't think he meant that. But again, if he's getting at the heart posture, then one who prays in secret is one who prays not so that men will go, wow, what a great prayer you just gave. But one who would pray before God as if he were or she were in front of people, but only in the presence of the Lord. That their, their joy in prayer is to be in the presence of God and their prayers are focused on God, not on themselves. And so listen, we have to understand that as Christians, we can fall back into praying in such a way that the glory and the focus is not on God, but on us. And he says, that's the mark of a hypocrite. That's the mark of one who prays simply for the praise of men. But notice, God sees the one who prays, and he hears them even if others don't. So whether you pray in public or in private, it must be focused on God. It's the heart posture that matters. Because if we think about it, prayer is not just a ritualistic incantation. You with me? Basically what this means is, it's not as if if you say the right words in the right order, then God must act. Like it's a formula. Do A plus B, God will kick out C. Sometimes we pray in such a ritualistic, traditional way that sometimes we can actually lose all the heartfelt devotion to God. You ever heard somebody pray the same prayer over and over and over and over and over again? A lot of times this happens around praying for food. 
and we will pray the same prayer in the same way, in the same order, in the same time, and we will continue to pray the exact same words, and over the course of time, it loses all of its heartfelt devotion to God. It's just we got to say the prayer because we got to eat. And if we don't say the prayer, we can't eat yet. We can do that in church as well. We can turn our prayers into ritualistic just sayings where we're spouting something before God in a ritualistic, robotic way. I think that's why we got to be careful with how we handle the Lord's Prayer here at the end of this. Because we have to be careful that our prayers aren't simply robotic recitations of previously said prayers. But in, and, and the idea behind this is not that you can't pray the same thing, but the idea behind this is vain repetition. Praying the same thing over and over and over in the same way, and then when you do that, you've moved into a ritualistic prayer, not a heartfelt petition before God. And let me share this. We don't have to do that. Because we don't have to try and impress God. If, if we have Jesus, that's enough. My, I don't have to say a fancy prayer to get God to go, wow, Jason's really got that down. God doesn't need to be impressed by my prayer. He just wants my heart devotion to him. And many times we can walk into these ritualistic saying the same thing over and over again, and it's no longer about the devotion to God, but instead just the words. Notice what he says in verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases. You ever prayed before and not thought about what you're praying, but just say the prayer? Vain repetition? He says, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. This is how pagan worshipers would worship pagan deities. They would say ritualistic prayers in the hopes that the God would act on their behalf. If I do the formula prayer, the God must respond. Can be. Right? Incantations. Anything that we try. It, it's, if you think about it, many times that's when prayer becomes more about manipulating God than about being shaped by him. And he says that's what the pagans do. That's what the Gentiles do. He says, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Okay. So very helpful tool and tip from Jesus. You ready for this? Your prayers do not have to be really long to be heard by God or to be answered by God. The whole point is not can we say the longest prayer possible or can we string enough words together that will make God act on our behalf. Prayer is not about us having the ability to say enough to God because he's not impressed by the length of our prayers. What God desires is not the length, but what Spurgeon says is the weight of our prayers. Spurgeon said Christian prayers are measured by weight, not by length. God would rather have a heartfelt, devoted prayer to him than a long essay filled with empty words that sound good to the ear but have no devotion to God. <laughs> Listen, I'm preaching to me over everybody in the room. I get paid to pray. All right, some of y'all are going to get that later on. When I show up to events... Everybody goes, okay, Jason, you got to pray for this. If we eating anything, guess who's praying? If I come to your house and we're eating, I'm going to bet $5 that I'm asked to pray when I get there. I'm going to bet it. 
And I understand it because that's my job. That's what I do. But I can fall into saying the same things over and over again and not about being devoted to God. I can fall into that very easily. I'm guessing you too. So I got to remember it's not about the length of my prayer. Or can I use enough words that sound big? It's about devotion to God. When I go to God, do I want him Amen. above all things? He says, don't pretend you can wear down God with our words. I love that. Because if you think about it, in 1 Kings chapter 18, that's exactly what the prophets of Baal tried to do. You remember that story? Mount Carmel, the prophets of Baal, right? The matchup. Well, let me share it with you. Let me share this part of it with you. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 25, remember Elijah's having a battle with the prophets of Baal, whose God is real, who's going to be the one who prevails? Verse 25, then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. So what did the prophets of Baal do? They took the bull that was given them and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, that's a long time saying, O Baal, answer us, but there was no voice and no, one un and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made, not giving up. Even though we prayed for a long time, we're not giving up. Verse 27, at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. Ha, ha, ha. Verse 28, and they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. What did the prophets of Baal hope to accomplish? If we just wear the God out. He will have to act on our behalf. So they're just wailing and moaning all day long, trying to get this God to answer them. They start cutting themselves in the hopes that the blood would catch the attention of the God. who would. Re they figured they could wear the God out to where the God would have to act on their behalf. But guess what? No voice, no answer. Listen. We can't think that we can manipulate God by our lofty words and our lengthy prayers. What God cares about is whether your prayers are short or long, whether they have fancy words or not, is, is your heart devoted to him? Do you want him above all things? Godly prayer is primarily a heart posture, not an external act. Secondly, godly prayer trusts God's response. Godly prayer trusts God's response, that when God does answer, it's according to his will and how he would answer. It's so that we would depend on him and see his glory. We see that here in Matthew chapter 6, if you keep going in verse 8. He says, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. See, prayer isn't about informing God of something that he wasn't aware of. We don't go to God in prayer so that he, we can fill him in on the news. God knows everything. He says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. What is that teaching us? That God is all-knowing. 
He knows what you need even before you say it to him. He's not waiting going, oh, man, I really got to figure out what does Patty need from me? What is, I got I to gotta listen to what she's saying because what does she need from me? I just don't know. No. God already knows what Patty needs before she ever says it. And so we're not informing God. He knows what we need already. It's his omniscience. It means that we don't have to explain to him. He already knows. Now, this is helpful because the fact God knows the future points out the fact that I don't. See, it's a dependent. It's a trust in God. When it says that God knows what we need before we ask it, what he's saying is you're not me. You don't know the future, but I do. Trust me. Depend on me because I'm the one between the two of us who knows all things. But I also want you to notice it says God knows what you need before you ask it. He knows what you need, not want. See, God, God tells us that prayer is, is to be designed around the things that, that God desires for us to have, that are needs, necessities for us. God knows what we need, which is really, really good because I don't know what I need. I think I do. I like to hope I know what I need, but many times the thing I say I need is actually just a want. See, when we pray, we're depending on God and trusting him that he knows what we actually need and he'll supply that need. Does that make sense? So we don't pray to manipulate God. We pray to show that we trust him, that he knows what we need, and he's going to give us what he desires for us to have. Godly prayer trusts God's response. And so prayer is not us informing God. It's us depending on him. Now, thankfully, Jesus then goes on to give us a guide. Now, the, the, the term Lord's Prayer is kind of deceptive because in the end, Jesus doesn't say that he prayed this. He gives it as a model. And I don't believe God intended for the Lord's Prayer to become one of those ritualistic incantations that we do. Listen, I love invoking the name of God in anything that you can. But I, I was watching a Netflix special um, about a football program in Mississippi it was called Last Chance U, and it was documenting a football team that was, yeah, I forget, East Mississippi Community College, I believe is what it is. It was documenting the football team and the coach, and the coach had the filthiest mouth you've ever heard. He was yelling all kinds of obscenities at his players. Uh, he would just rail on them. He, he would just beat them down. He, he would verbally just attack them. But before they went out for the game, before they ran out on the field, he'd gather them all together, and guess what they would do? They would recite the Lord's Prayer. See, now all that tells me is that ain't about God anymore. That's let's say these words in the right way in the hopes that God will have to act on our behalf. It becomes nothing more than a, I don't believe God intended, I don't believe Jesus intended when he gave this to say, now pray this all the time. Say these exact words in this exact form every time you pray. No, I think he gave it to us as a guide that would form how we pray to him. Now, just briefly, let's walk through it real quick. He says, pray like this, right? This is a command, by the way, verse 9. Pray then like this is a command. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Referring to him as Father is intimating that there's a relationship between the person praying and God. 
So much so, it's a loving relationship. It's the relationship of a father to his children. That's a picture of worship. It's a picture of adoration. So when we pray, guess what our focus should be? Worship and adoration of our father who has adopted us into his family. He is our father. And that he is in heaven, which means that he is in authority. He is supreme. He's not limited in any way. Our father is not just on the earth. Our father is in heaven. He's not bound or limited in any fashion whatsoever. He's beyond limits. Well, what about that God? Hallowed be your name. That, that means re revered. Holy is God's name. Set apart. God is different than everyone else and everything else. And his name, who he is, is holy. So we don't approach him lightly. We, we, we hallow his name. We revere his name. See, that keeps you from coming into God's presence going, okay, I want this, 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 and being out. But instead, we walk into prayer saying, I'm going before the name that is above every name. I'm approaching a holy God. He goes on. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a missionary spirit. This is to go before God saying, I'm not just concerned primarily with myself. I'm concerned with your kingdom, God. I'm concerned with people knowing you. Your kingdom come, not mine. Your will be done, not mine, on earth as it is in heaven. God, accomplish on earth. Establish your reign and rule, not only over us, but over the hearts of other people. It's a missionary spirit to see the earth, God's kingdom. He goes on and says, give us this day our daily bread. What is that referring to? Dependence on God's provision that he would provide what we need every day. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This, is, this verse is why I don't believe Jesus prayed this, right? Because Jesus doesn't have any debts he needs to be forgiven of. He's given it to us as a model. When you pray, realize that what you need is the mercy of God. See, when we pray, we need to realize that we don't deserve anything. We need the mercy of God. Forgive us our debts. It's a constant reminder that we need God to be merciful towards us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the negative and positive side of sanctification, that God would grow us, right? Don't lead us into temptation and deliver us from evil. God, you're the one who can preserve us. You're the one who can sanctify us. You're the one who can grow us, and we need you to do that. And then he finally leaves with the warning, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. See, Jesus gives us that model, not so that we would pray it every day, but that when we go before God, we would be marked by a loving worship of our Father who is not limited in any way whatsoever, who is holy in character, who is awesome above all others, that we desire his kingdom to come and to spread throughout the earth, that many worshipers of God would be found to his glory. We pray in dependence on the provision of God, that whatever he thinks we need, he'll give to us. And we pray understanding we need God's mercy every day.
And we ask God, we pray that he would make us look more like Jesus every day. And so prayer matters. Prayer is a command by Jesus in this text. So the question we have to ask ourselves, are we faithful in that? When we pray, do our prayers look like what Jesus talked about here? Do we go with many lofty words trying to impress God or manipulate him or get him to give us what we want? Or do we pray with a heart posture of devotion to God and trusting that whatever God brings is right? However he answers is for our good. So here's a few questions to ask ourselves. Is prayer a regular part of our lives? And I'm not just talking about before you eat. It's important to do that, but is that all the praying we're doing? Is prayer a vital part of our life? Let me ask, what is the posture of our prayers? Are the postures of our prayers devotion to him? Or are we rushing into the presence of God, giving him our list of demands, and walking out? Do we pray desperately for God to show his power? Do we pray for things that are so big that when God answers it, the only response is going to be, God did that? Do we pray for big things? Do we trust that he works in the small and the large requests? Pray big prayers that God would display his power and awesomeness in his response. Do we pray for lost people? Do we pray for the kingdom of God to spread into their lives? And do we pray for each other? God says in his word that people will know we're Christians because we have love for each other as Christians. Well, part of that love is praying for each other. And not praying, God, I hope that you strike them. But you pray for their good. You pray that God would draw them to himself, that God would, would lavish his grace and mercy upon them, that he would bless their families. Do we pray for each other? Do we, do we lift each other up and ask God to receive glory as he sanctifies us? Is prayer vital to us? See, Jesus came and died and rose again not just to justify us, although I'm very grateful for that, but to also sanctify us, to set us apart day by day and our prayers to him express that we can't do those things on our own. We can't grow as we intend to apart from absolute heartfelt dependence on God. So maybe... You struggle to pray. Can I help you? God's not looking to be impressed. He don't need 15-minute prayers from you. Right? If you want to give him that, that's great. I'm, I'm encouraged by many of the faith who you see testimonies of pastors in the past who prayed for four or five hours just to start their day. That's good. Maybe you struggle to pray for five minutes. Guess what? You're not there to impress God. Just pray to him. Depend on him. Go before him in worship and trust him. 
A healthy church member is a member who is a prayer warrior. So often it gets pushed on the side, but I would encourage us today from God's word that we would make it a priority in not only our individual lives, but in our church. Because Jesus tells us that God responds to the effective prayers of his people. God does respond. But are we trusting him? Are we going to him with heart-like devotion? Are we doing it for his glory and our growth? My prayer is that's the case. But you can't do this effectively apart from being a Christian. Jesus was teaching this to his disciples, those who were following after him. No amount of prayers we give can change our hearts before God. Only he can do that. And so in order to pray in a way that honors God, you must be a Christian. You must be rescued from your sin. And so my petition this morning is, okay, it's good to pray better and it's good to pray harder. But that's not the grounds by which we're saved. We pray with heartfelt devotion, depending on God, because we've been rescued by Jesus. So don't use prayer as a stepping stone to earn salvation, but rather see it as the natural outflow of a heart that's been changed by Jesus Christ. Trust in him above all things. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us as Christians to pray effectively. And God, to to pray big prayers for your glory. Father, I pray this morning that you would help us to see that, God, you're not calling us to lofty words or to lengthy prayers. God, you're calling us to heartfelt devotion to you, trusting you, God, depending on you, because you are the king who loves to bless his people, who loves to answer the prayers of his people. And so, Father, I pray this morning you would help us to do that well for your glory. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to see that this is the natural outflow of hearts that have been changed. That as Christians, we can do these things because of what you've done for us. And so, Father, I pray this morning that there wouldn't be people here who think, well, if I just pray more or pray harder, then God will save me. Or God will be pleased with me. But instead, that we would pray because we have been rescued because we've been set free and because we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. May our prayers echo worship and devotion and dependence on you. Father, I pray you'd help us to pray individually. God, that prayer would be vital to our Christian lives. And God, I pray that you would make prayer vital to us as a church. That God, we realize we can't do anything in our own power. We can't make anything happen by our hands. But you can And you just call on us as a church to pray. So God, help us to be a praying church. Praying for our community. Praying for the lost. Praying for our leaders. Praying for each other. God, may we be prayer warriors in complete dependence on you. And God, we know you're going to do great things in the midst of it. God, we look forward to it. So Father, today, renew in us a heart of desperate prayer for you. God, I pray that you would be pleased by this, that it wouldn't be just ritual. It wouldn't just be us doing another task, but it would be about worship of you. So Father, work in our hearts. God, if there's anyone here this morning who doesn't know you, 
is trusting in their own goodness. God, I pray that you'll show them that they cannot earn your salvation, but God, just draw them to the cross of Jesus. Show them that he alone has done everything we need to be rescued. By his death and resurrection, we can be saved. And Father, help us as Christians to devote ourselves to prayer, that God, prayer wouldn't be a side thing we do. It would be everything that we do. Help us to model what your word says. Let us pray without ceasing for your glory and honor. God, draw us to yourself, mold us and shape us to look more like Christ. We ask it all in Jesus' name, amen.